Um, I really do uh, appreciate today your prayers. Um, this has been a message series, particularly this week and next week, that I may have wrestled with and struggled with the wording and how to say certain things as much as any other. Not because I, I think that this is somehow overly complex. I really don't think it's that complex. What I think is that the church has not always spoken well to the very sensitive issues we're about to speak to. I think for much of our history, we've sort of railed and screamed against a certain group of folks and alienated them from us and us from them and made it look like we in the church are just what you might call heteronormative or just men, women, husband, wife units or boyfriend, girlfriend units have kind of distanced ourselves from the LGBTQ plus community. And yes, I'm going to say it that way. I know the letters are in flux. They are constantly changing. They're being added to. I'm just gonna use what I know to be the latest kind of thing. And so that's what we're gonna do because um, much like other things in our world today, they say the science is changing. It's weird. I wouldn't think it would do that. But this issue is too important for us to scream and rail and say, well, you're just a bunch of dirty, rotten this or that and look at us, nor is it wise to come over here and say, well, listen, God whispers about these things. And you know, folks, listen, God is God. God doesn't whisper about anything. God tells us what he thinks in black and white. Or if you have one of those marked up Bibles, red and white with the words of Jesus, God tells us what he thinks. We don't have to question what the Lord thinks. But I think we've gone about some of these issues wrong. And I understand that there are some people in the room and you really do um, wrestle with same-sex attraction. I'm gonna speak to you in this sermon and next week. There's some of you in the room who are biologically, if we were to look at your cells, you are female. But you really believe that you're in the wrong body and that you were a male. Others of you that are male, you really believe that you were a female. Some of you believe that you are somewhere in the middle, that you are non-binary. There's a tragedy in all of this, folks, and it's this we've, that we've not had good conversations balanced in love and truth, and you can't have true love. You can't have real love without the truth, nor can you have the truth without love. You need both, and for every Christian in this room and every Christian that would be tuned in now or later, I am just ask right now, just maybe under your breath, just a short prayer. Just something, Lord, would you give wisdom here and clarity of thought and tongue? This is a big issue. And there is no way in the little bit of time this week and next week I can unpack everything, but I hope to lay the foundation to get us started the right direction. It really does start in Genesis. And if Genesis is fiction, then you're not going to want to talk about what the Bible says anyway, but I'm telling you basic human biology and physiology proves this point that I'm going to be trying to make in the next two weeks. So even if you're a non-theist, if you do not believe the Bible, I believe creation order, the natural order, if you prefer not to speak of God, the natural order cries strongly for the design position I'm going to be making. And for us who are theists, who believe in the Word of God, we see that there is a beautiful synergy, a match. See, a lot of people today are using the word authentic, but they're using it incorrectly. They're saying, well, you need to be the real you, the authentic you. The thing is, though, authenticity accords with reality. I could show you a five-carat diamond, but if I tell you you can have that five-carat diamond for a 100 bucks, you know something's awry. You know that's not authentic. That's not matching with reality. That's out of line. And the way the church has spoken to this a lot of times is an us-them concept, where those among us who consider ourselves heterosexual or cisgender and we live in which the gender we were given, and I know we use words like assigned at birth, that's not correct language, it's a misunderstanding of language, and in this current LGBTQ debate, we are redefining terms. That's why I challenge you. I challenge you if you are in the community, in the room or out there, I challenge you to define for me a man or a woman. I challenge you right now. If you want a public debate, I will set up a public debate with you and me. We will have equal time and we will call an outside moderator. But I challenge you to define your terms, man and woman. What you are often going to do is give me some ambiguity that cannot be defined. And then you're going to argue that gender is on a scale. And I'm going to call your bluff on that. 
Gender is not on a scale. It is proven that it is not on a scale. And basic biology, not only of humanity, but of essentially all living organisms, proves there is no scale. So what I want us to do is start back in the Word of God. I want to give you some examples before we get into the text. And I want to talk to you about why this matters so much. The first thing I want us to do is say our core verse because this verse lays the foundation for all that comes and why we have a raging, I hesitate to say debate, but a tension today between those who believe in basic biology that has been affirmed for thousands and thousands of years and why this very current, listen to this word, trend, Trend is so dangerous, and it is absolutely that. It is a trend. The data is overwhelming that this is a trend that's going to leave a wake of destruction if we do not stop. So, with that being said, let's join together with Genesis 127. Say it aloud with me, and then we'll throw a bunch of blanks in there. Are you ready? The Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Good. Let's do it again. Let's throw the blanks in. You ready? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In that very verse, you'll see pronouns that are generic, generic masculine pronouns. Again, we are in this age and stage in our nation and really even in many other parts of the world where even terms themselves hold no meaning. Pronouns hold no meaning. You and I, were, you grew up, we were taught first, second, third person pronouns, singular and plural. Now the terms are being redefined. You're changing the dictionary. Now, if we as a society agree to change the dictionary, so be it. But listen to me. The word of God for me is more important than the dictionary of man. You understand? The word of God usurps the dictionary of man. Man's terms change all the time. Terminologies change like the wind and so if we cannot agree to have set terms, it's why I've made a challenge, a bold and public challenge. If you are a part of the community that believes in gender fluidity or that God has made a mistake, I challenge you, define a man. Define a woman. What you will do is you will put in externals that really don't matter. When you can Google, can a man get pregnant? And the first several entries say, yes, of course a man can get pregnant. You are living in a world that is attempting to redefine terms and not in a healthy way. But I want you to hear my heart. I really want you that are struggling in this area to be open and listen. Just be listening to what I'm trying to put before you, even if you don't yet believe in God. Give me at least a few minutes of your time, a hearing, to say, I want this to be a place of refuge for you. I do not want the church to be a place that you feel like you don't belong. You are loved here. We will affirm you as a person here, but we will take no easy stance on any sin issue that heterosexuals struggle with or anyone else struggles with. Why? Because it's important enough to say we are divinely designed in the image of God. We human beings are made in the image of God. I was going to subtitle it more than a monkey, but you know we're more than that. Any of you that have thought through this know you're not a product of primordial slime, time, chance, and matter, natural selection, and survival of the fittest. You know in the core of your being that you've been designed. And the science, guess what? The science is changing. So those in academia are now whispering about the complexity of design and that even trillions of years could not have brought us to this place because we need a fully functional system, including the organisms known as man, woman, or male and female, that we live primarily in a binary world. And living in the light of God's design for you makes all the difference, folks. It has the difference in your purpose and your contentment and in your overall joy and even your happiness. And I know what you who are struggling in this are looking for, even you heterosexuals that are looking outside of your marriage, that are looking online, that are talking to other people. Some of you have conversations on your phone right now and you would be mortified if they came out in public. Well, the good Lord already knows. 
So I'm speaking not just to one particular community. This is not an anti-homosexual or anti-LGBTQ plus sermon. Some of my greatest friends in the world, people that were a part of my wedding and and I a part of their lives for a number of years, uh, people that I love deeply are in this community. But every single one of them knows I love them enough to tell them that God has a plan and a purpose and a design. And any of us that get outside of that design will not only lose our contentment, we will ultimately lose our happiness because God cares about making you holy more than he cares about making you happy. And if you really want happiness, you get there through holiness, doing it God's way, being set apart with God's intent. We all need to hear this. The world around us is attempting to change our language and basic human biology. And there's one reason, folks. Listen to me. One reason. The world wants to start with feelings not facts. All of postmodernity, all of postmodernity says that's your story and this is my story. That's your belief and this is mine. And yet we do not function that way in the real world. The real world has a set of agreed upon terms. We know that red means stop and green means go. And I don't care how you feel about it today. The cop doesn't care how you feel about it. There are, there are issues that are simply red, green, black, white. And this is one of those today where we are letting what is between our ears fundamentally change the way we think about what's between our legs. But what's between your legs is not the only thing that makes you male or female. Do you realize that every cell of your body, with the exception of some of your reproductive cells, every cell in your body, gentlemen and ladies, screams what you are to the glory of God? Every cell of your body, so no matter what you do to the outside, no matter how you change, no matter how you attempt to block puberty, which I call child abuse, no matter how many hormones you try to take, young lady, that's testosterone, or how many hormones you take, young man, that are estrogen, you cannot change who you are. And a thousand years from now, if your bones were exhumed, people would be able to say, that was a man, that was a woman. That's the reality of God crying forth through his design of you. And this issue, by and large, is a trend. It is the thing to do. If you are feeling ostracized or lonely in any way and you want a group that will hail you and celebrate you, you move into this community. Friend, it should be just the opposite of that. It should be if you are hurting and lonely, you move toward the community of faith. You move toward people of God who aren't going to stand wagging their finger in your face, but are going to stand with arms out saying, you know what, I have my share of struggles too. Come on and let's walk together. And let's do life together so that we learn that when we fall, Christ will be there to pick us up. We have wagged our fingers and our tongues long enough, but this is a trend that is decimating generations. Listen to me. A Gallup poll from 2020 taken looked at how many people, and it was anonymous, so don't give me this, well, they were ashamed. Don't give, you can't play that card. A fully anonymous poll, how many of you truly identify with the LGBTQ community, Q plus community? How many of you are in line with this, the traditionalist, those born before 1946 or what we sometimes call the greatest generation? 1.3% identified with LGBTQ. If we study human history, the numbers are often 2% or less. I'm not telling you that certain cultures, they did not practice homosexuality or cross-dressing or transsexual types of things. I'm simply telling you that who lived this way and identified with it as a lifestyle, who is living this way, a man trying to live as a woman, a a, a woman living with a woman, man with a man, 1.3%, baby boomers from 46 to 64, 2%. Generation X, my generation, from 65 to 80, that's about the time frame we were born, 3.8%. Now listen, millennials born between 81 and 96, 9.1%. And Gen Z, many say 97 and following, um, 97 and up, 2020-ish, 15.9%. I promise you, what we are seeing is a trend. You can make every effort to change the outside of yourself, the lifestyle, the way you look. The proof is in the statistics and in the Bible that we'll see in a moment. Those who deal with depression and rates of suicide are almost 
there is almost no statistical difference before or after you attempt to change yourself. Because the issue is not between your legs. The issue is right here in your heart and the way you're thinking. And you say, how dare you tell me I'm thinking wrong? I love you enough to tell you you're thinking wrong. We all, listen to me, listen to me cisgendered men and heterosexuals, we all think wrong sometimes. We all have dysphoric concepts of ourselves sometimes. We all think of ourselves differently than God thinks of us. Some of you, it's a weight issue. Some of you, it is a look issue, a body enhancement issue, a hair issue. For myself, I know, and you know, I'm about 6'4", okay? We both know that, right? <laughs> what? I can think that all day long. Do you know that I can go to a surgeon and I can have my leg bones broken and extended? Do you know I can grow by a few inches? But it's proof over and over and over that such things do not bring the long-term happiness nor contentment that people think. Here's what we've done. We've bifurcated who we are. What I mean by that is, in theology, people are often called a dichotomist or a trichotomist. I believe in body, soul, or I believe in body, soul, and spirit. Now, we understand there's a material us, what you see, and an immaterial us, the soul of the spirit. Upon death for the Christian, the immaterial us goes to be with the Lord. The material us goes in the ground. At the rapture, both of those things are redeemed and brought back together because Jesus says, as I am, so you will be. And he had flesh and bone at the resurrection. So we will have bodies again because Christ not only died to redeem your soul, he died to redeem your body. Meaning your physical body has value to the Lord. He created every cell by design with value. If he created every cell by design and with value, then he makes no mistakes. And you say, ah, 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 ah. Yes, he does. There are those babies born. Statistics vary widely from as low as one in a thousand up to one in five thousand. But every once in a while, a baby is born with ambiguous genitalia. Unfortunately, for years, until doctors slowed down to look at chromosomes, they made mistakes. It is true. There were people that were given a gender that did not match every other chromosome and cell of their body. And so, there have been stories of that, many anecdotal tales of such things. However, with modern science and the understanding of chromosomes with XY and XX, not getting into Kleinfelders, and again, other anomalous conditions which are very, very few and far between, by and large, what we find is that even ambiguous genitalia can be brought in alignment with God's design. You say, but, but that means God made a mistake. No, friends. Sin has affected everything, including our genetics. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. My little Lucy, many of you know, when she was conceived and began to grow, and at her first ultrasound, they found problems on her kidneys. This polycystic disease that she had as a genetic condition began to attack. The doctors were very clear. If it continued on both kidneys, she would not survive. Praise God, it only continued on one of her kidneys. And by the time she was born, the diseased kidney had essentially shrunk and gone away. You could not find it anymore. So she walks around today as a two-year-old with one kidney. Some of you have told us you have one kidney. There are also medical documented cases of people, human beings, born with three kidneys. Now, because Lucy had a genetic anomaly, you say, what caused it? Sin caused it. Sin brought death. Sin brought disgust. Her sin? No. The man born blind in John 9, Jesus said, it's neither your sin nor the sin of your parents, but that God may be glorified. For some reason, sin has, well, we know the reason in Genesis 3. Sin has affected everything down to the cellular level. And so you would not be so foolish as to argue that human kidneys are on a spectrum. That normal human beings can be born with one to three kidneys. Of course you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that about fingers nor toes, and yet there are anomalies. Nick Vujicic, who I hope to still get here, life without limits, he also has no limbs. You would not say, since Nick has no arms, no legs, one tiny foot protruding from his torso, that human beings are born with limbs on a spectrum. And yet we've started to do this because we have falsely bifurcated, we have ripped apart gender and sexuality, and there is absolutely no reason to do so unless we have a society that wants to elevate feelings over facts. Whether you are a Christian or not, facts 
are facts. This is a binary world. And if you say, I want to move between, what you're saying is, I want to live according to my own authority for my own pleasure. And that is your choice to make. But God does not have to agree with that, nor will he bless that. Next week, I'll come back and circle into other dysphoric disorders because what you're going to find is for those whose thinking is skewed, and this is in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, gender dysphoria, body dysmorphic disorders. If your thinking is skewed, if what's between your ears is wrong, and you make all of this effort to change what is on the outside, the fundamental you has not changed. You will not find what you are so desperately seeking. It's simply not there. Too many people, and I've been given too many testimonies of those attempting to detransition who have either become sterilized because of the hormones or puberty blockers or who have mutilated their bodies to the point that they cannot return. This is a trend. This is trending heavily among our young people. And if they want a group to embrace them, this is where they go. But they should be coming to the church. Why? Well, I want to give you something to think about. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. I'll pick up verse 24. And again, I'm doing this in two parts because i got much more to say than time to say it. Then God said, we've gone through days one through five. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Remember, dogs don't change categories. Cats stay within the, the uh, feline kind. There's going to be cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. But now we get to the pinnacle of creation order. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And as we've been learning, so God created man in his own image, imago dei. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, now watch. Right away, the first command given to this new created order of human beings, the only ones with the breath of life, as we'll see in chapter 2, the only ones made with the image of God, the first thing God says is, you are a binary you are a binary. Be fruitful and multiply. You cannot do that any other way. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my, my heart's desire today is that people would seek that which is very good. Lord, we know that sin is pleasurable for a season. We know that there are plenty of us here who are attracted to the opposite sex, who struggle with variant forms of sin issue. We know that there are those that are same-sex attracted under the sound of my voice. We know that there are some who see their gender differently than what their body is showing them and telling them. But Lord, you have made it very clear in your word that the heart is deceitfully wicked and cannot be trusted. You have commanded us never to follow our heart, but to lead our heart. You have commanded us to have the mind of Christ. And when reality does not match our mind, we need to learn to think differently first. In thinking differently, our hearts begin to change. Then our hands and feet will follow. There are some very confused in this room, very frustrated, very set apart, maybe scared. I pray that you would ease any fear ease any frustration. Let them see the beauty in the design of their life, the way you made them, for your glory and their good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be seated, please, and let me just give you this main point and a couple of uh, sub-truths underneath just to make sure we're tracking together and I get this for you. Then we're gonna have to take two and three next week. It says this, the imago dei, or the image of God, that's Latin, vividly demonstrates the agape, that's Greek, of Almighty God. So in three different languages, I've made a statement. 
Latin, English, and Greek. The Imago Dei, the image of God, vividly demonstrates the agape, the self-sacrificing, perfect, one-way love of God. What does that mean, one-way love of God? When we were spitting on Christ, we human beings were spitting on Christ and nailing him to a tree and shaming him beyond anything you and I can imagine, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus was loving us when we were hating him, and he still is. If you're here today and you hate Christianity and you hate Christ, it does not change the fact that God loved you so much he sent Jesus to die in your place. The prayer of my heart is that you would be softened to the truth of God by the Spirit of God and that you would come to love God. What we have done is we have falsely separated the mind and the body. I call myself a complex unificationist not a dichotomous nor trichotomous, because God made us all complex and whole. God cares about your body. God cares about your spirit. Jesus Christ came to redeem both. And so we are not to separate ourselves. You say, but how, what do you mean separate ourselves? I was counseling a couple one time. One party had continually cheated on the other party. One spouse had been unfaithful for a very long time. This spouse made the statement, those other people the non-spouse, those other people, the ones that they had slept with, they just had my body, but my spouse always had my heart. How do you think the spouse felt about that? See, that's a false dichotomy. That's a bifurcation that doesn't exist in the real world. And yet some of you today are saying, but this is, this is the way I feel. But I really, really, really feel it. I know guys that have really felt attracted to women that were not their wife. I know pastors that have been really attracted and began emotional conversations and then began to talk more and more and more. And all of a sudden, they felt it with every fiber of their being. And all of a sudden, boom, they're in the arms of another woman. Is it right? Is it God-honoring? No matter your persuasion today, you would say, no, that's wrong. They've made a covenant. They've entered into an agreement that is beyond a contract with the wife, and, and that's wrong of them. And you would say, it doesn't matter how they feel about it. It's wrong. And I'd say, you're right. It's wrong. But what we're doing is we're sacrificing facts on the altar of our feelings, and your feelings will lead you astray. We're going to talk about that next week when it relates to other dysphoric concepts but when we come to the image of God, it describes the way God made people. We also have one more latent proof here that theistic evolution is a farce. I'm just going to give it to you quick, and then I'm not going to talk about age of the earth anymore. we got more important things to get to. But if you noticed, plant life was created on day three. Theistic evolutionists say that day three might have entailed millions of years, and then day four, and then day five. The problem is insect life is created on day six. In a theistic evolutionist understanding, that would mean that they were separated by millions of years. Any of you that know anything about the plant world, though, you understand when you think of flowers in particular, insects are necessary for the propagation of flowers because you even have binary systems in the plant world. You have male and you have female with plants and with trees and even with types of grasses. And so to deny God's design and to deny a literal six-day creation, you cannot have your cake and eat it too and say, but I'm a theistic evolutionist. I believe there were millions of years. Well, then you're not believing the Bible. And let's be honest about it. You can say, I don't believe the Bible. You'll have to answer to the Lord for that one day, but you can say that. That is your prerogative, but you're also not being true to the science. The science says it was created in a functional, mature operating system, and when you take a part or a piece out, the whole thing collapses. That's the reality. But we're not really talking about age anymore. Let's talk about ourselves being made in the image of God. Do you notice in verse 26 we have plural pronouns? Let us... Make man in our image according to our likeness. And pronouns really meant something back then. Plural. I've written it like this. Genesis 1.26 implores plural of majesty and Trinitarian language. What we understand when we study the Hebrew language is that kings, monarchs, often said we to describe themselves. So a king made a decree, and he would say... We have decreed that this. Even mo modern monarchs will sometimes use plural of majesty language. Now, what the Bible also is teaching us here is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were involved in this creation. And so it's not only plural of majesty, it's Trinitarian. 
We don't have to look at this mythologically and say, well, God was saying to other gods, no such thing. We don't have to look at it angelically. God is saying to the angels, hey, boys, hey, let's make uh, mankind after our image. No, because angelos, angelos means messenger, not creator. So the angels have no creative power. The Bible is clear from Genesis to Revelation that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are part of creation, and God is communicating here. I'll come back to that in just a few minutes. But it's showing God's agape or unilateral self-sacrificing love. And some of the greatest theologians of all the ages have attempted to understand this idea of the image of God, the teslam, the demuth, the likeness of God. What does that mean? Well, what almost all great theologians have concluded is it doesn't mean what you see on the outside. The Bible does describe the face of God, the arms of God, the hands of God. It also describes the wings of God. And it has zoomorphic characteristics that have animalistic characteristics, lions and eagles and those kinds of things. And it has anthropomorphic characteristics, the characteristics of a man. Most of the time when we envision God, let's be honest, we're probably seeing in our imagination a big grandfatherly bearded figure. Okay, well, the point is, God is much bigger than that, and being made in his image means much more than that. Most would say it really means his communicable attributes like personality and wisdom and love and holiness and justice and truth. We alone, we human beings alone, have those full capacities. You say, no, 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 no. My dog really loves me. Oh, really? Let me get a nice juicy steak in my hands and come visit your dog. The reality is animals do show characteristics of love and loyalty and devotion and all of those things, but never do they experience the level of connectivity or emotion that God has implanted into human beings. That dog, I promise you, is not laying there napping today wondering if there's a doggy heaven. He is not contemplating the next stage of his life. He is not wondering if he'll have enough money in the bank to pay his doggy bills. He does not think and reason and process the way you do. Though, of course, they have interesting, fascinating personality, they are on a different plane. And I don't just mean that evolutionary. I mean by design of God. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says it this way. Being made in God's image means that humans share, though imperfectly and finitely, in God's nature. So the capacity for relationship unlike anything else. So the Imago Dei is not just the physical appearance of God. What we know is that when we sinned, when our first parents sinned, we were scarred. We'll talk about this more next week. We became depraved in all of these different areas. And it even affected our genetic coding. Why do you think people lived so long in the early days of the Bible? But the lifespan of humanity began to shrink. And it shrunk. And it shrunk. And it shrunk. There's reason for that. The effect of sin on the human code. Now, God has granted us some incredible abilities through medical science. However, there's still a limit. There is still a limit to what man can do because of the dramatic effects of sin. Retaining a little bit of the likeness of God and, and regaining some of our imago dei is what we get in salvation. That we now begin to be conformed, the Bible says, conformed to the image of Christ. So my mind is not conformed to the world, but it is transformed, metamorphosized from the Greek, to the image of Christ. I begin to think God's thoughts. So if I look in the mirror and say, oh, but you were just assigned, terrible language, not true. You were assigned male at birth, but you're really female. I've got to change my thinking, not my body. My thinking is misaligned, not every cell of my body. You say, how can you know that? I know that because it happens in so many other dysphoric conditions. We know that because when we study people and we study the word of the Lord, this is not just because the Bible says. The Bible really accords with reality and says this really is a binary world and you really can't make the rule based on anomalies and outliers. And quit trying to change everything into spectrums when God has made it clear. But what do we do with this? We say, well, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. And in Christ, you know what? The distinctions that we try to put between us, us and them, they begin to melt away. 
And you find contentment because God says this is who you are and you begin to align your thinking with what God says about you. So I wrote it like this. What the Bible is saying here in Genesis is that human beings are God's special creation, utterly unique from all other created things. Let me tell you how you're unique as you fill that in. Number one, we are the final creation of God. After this, he rests on the seventh day to give us a Sabbath principle. Number two, only man is said to be made in God's image. Number three, only mankind is given dominion over the earth. Number four, prior to the creation of man alone, there was this divine counsel, this heavenly conversation, and only before man. Not before the cattle, not before the fish, not before the birds, not before the plants, not before the sun, moon, and stars. Only before the creation of man is a heavenly counsel. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And then fifth, only man is explicitly stated as being created, formed, fashioned, molded as male and female. Now, we know that animal kind, plant and animal, living organisms, often have this binary structure. Yes, of course, there are examples of asexual reproduction, but they are, again, few and far between when we look holistically. And so God's primary design is for men, women, male, female, to propagate life on this earth. Why? Because what we know, married folks in the room, what we know is that our weaknesses are made better by her strengths. And her weaknesses are made better by our strengths. And we know that God has put us together in a way that we are stronger for the propagation of humanity, for the good of the human race. And I know what some of you are saying, but two men can adopt and two women can adopt. Yes, they can, but they cannot propagate. They cannot create. And the best way, do you want something that just works or do you want God's best? If you want to simply get along, then essentially you can do anything you want because God will not force his ways upon us. But if you want God's best, you have to do it God's way. And in a very real way, God wasn't creating us because he needed something. God already had perfect community among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God was perfect in his triune nature already. He created us because even knowing what we would do to him, he wanted us to have a relationship with him. He knew that you would struggle. He knew that you would question. He knew that you would be in this kind of tension at some point in your life. But he loved you enough to make you anyway. And do not think if you are not within sort of the heteronormative line that none of the rest of us have tension. Just because God has made me and just because that I choose, I, listen to me, I have chosen, I make a choice to be committed to one woman for life and she makes a choice every day to be committed to me. It does not mean that struggles are not real. And if you think here that, well, God made me broken, then now you've just said God makes mistakes. And the Bible never, ever allows for that. Could it be that you, like me, inherited a sin nature from our first parents? Could it be that all of us are skewed and walking away from God's perfect design? Whether we're hetero or homo, cisgendered or not, could it be that we're all running away? And that we all, like Paul, don't do what we want to do sometimes and do things we shouldn't do sometimes? And could it be that we're all fallen short of the glory of God? And could it be that those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are beginning to have a renewed, transformative mind and body, yet we're not there yet? So we still struggle sometimes, and it's still a war. But could it be that the real joy and the contentment, and listen to me, study after study after study in the non-Christian world has proven those in long-term monogamous marriages are the most content, the most fulfilled, sexually and otherwise, that there is a frustration any time you get out of that particular established connection, a man, a woman, a monogamous marriage. So it's not just the Bible that's teaching this. Everything we see points to the fact that this is the best of created order. Could it be that we're all sinners in need of salvation and that your struggle may be different than my struggle? 
and that your feeling may be different than mine, but you don't know how I feel about certain things about me, about my body, about my look, about my way. And if you think that at 10 or 12 or 15 that you are now capable of making decisions that will impact you for the rest of your life, anybody that's lived beyond that age will say, don't. Don't do it. Slow down. The 10-year-old you and the 15-year-old you and even the 20-year-old you is going to be very different from the 30-year-old you, the 40-year-old you. And some of you, we could keep going. Slow down and see if everything that your body is crying out could not be part of God's perfect design. Listen, what we've done is we have made young men feel bad when they get into things that we consider less masculine. I was one of those odd kids who spent a lot of time on the sports fields and a lot of time on the stage. I had a lot of jock friends because I was in several different sports all through school and high school and you know Letterman and all that and wearing the jacket and doing the sports and playing on the all-star team and then I was over here on the stage singing and yes, dancing. Sorry, Baptist, it is what it is. And a few times they made me wear tights and think, man, you gotta turn in your man card to wear tights, I'm just gonna tell you. But what we've done is we have made this issue of man, woman, the externals. There are some young men who may trend toward things that we would call more feminine. There are some young women who would trend toward things that we would say are more masculine. So? So? So what? See, what we in the church have sometimes done is said, oh, come on, straighten up, boy. You don't play with stuff like that. No, sweetheart, no, we don't do that. We leave that for the little boys. Quit making a big deal out of the things that aren't so big and say, you know what? You can be who God made you to be, but when every cell of your body confirms that you are a young woman or you are a young man, regardless of how you feel about it today, if you will walk in the path that God laid down for you, you will find that his design and your heart will eventually align. And you will find that if you attempt to stop his processes and you attempt to usurp his authority with surgeries or hormones or blockers, you will find nothing more than the same depression, the same loneliness, and maybe even more so destruction at the end of that path. I want to show you this to close. In this little cardboard box, I have two things. One is a highlighter I was given when I served on a board many years ago in North Carolina. That is a serious highlighter, right? I mean, you could tear up a lot of books with that thing. And so I like this highlighter, but I got to looking at it one day, and I thought, I wonder if I could make something that sort of looked like it. And I found some, uh, some colored paper, some cardstock made out of thin cardboard, and I, and I made this. And, and it kind of, you know, you can kind of see... I kind of mimicked it a little bit. Now, we have really good cameras. So if you couldn't see it well, <laughs> like this. <laughs> if you didn't see it well, you'd think they look pretty close, right? But the reality is, Dale, can you show them this? This is just hollow cardboard, cardstock. This one writes. It still works. This one doesn't do anything. I've made them look similar on the outside. But watch. The truth is, this has more in common with this than this. The substance of this thing I've made as an imitation is not authentic. It is not real. Some of you are being sold a bill of goods that is simply not true. Be your authentic self. Your authentic self is what your body and what every cell of your body cries out to be. Your authentic self is who the Lord made you to be. The Lord made you in a way to give the best picture of the gospel. The best picture of the gospel is a picture of family. 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 Relationship. Man. Woman. The covenant bond of marriage. If God designed that for you, God didn't make marriage for everyone. He says it very clearly in the words. Singleness is also a gift. 
But God said, if you do that, then there is the propagation of the human race according to our kind. And we are to pass along the truth of God. But see, what we've done is we've tried to change ourselves. We've tried to make ourselves something we're not. And sometimes we've even done this with the image of God. But I want you to think about the image of God more like this and this. The substance of who God is. The eternality of God. The volition of God. The love of God. The relationship of God. That's been breathed into us. So it's not just how we look on the outside. God's design is all over us. And I want to say to those of you that are struggling, we are here for you. We are not here to simply wag a finger at you and to tell you how wrong you are. What we're here to do is to tell you how right God is, how good God is, how God's designs are never wrong. And you know what? We could have moaned and cried and said, oh God, why our Lucy? I could have moaned and cried, and I did, just very honestly. Why my father? Why are you taking his mind piece by piece? And what I came to realize is that it wasn't God taking his mind. It was the horrible effect of sin on all people. So if you're going to be upset, let's be mad at sin and Satan, not the one who made us. And let's say this. You know what? I do think this way. I do feel this way. But that thinking is distorted. That thinking is not in alignment with reality. That thinking is wrong. And so, God, I'm going to ask you to help me begin to think like you would think, to understand myself as you would understand me, to understand the tracks you've laid down for me like the great locomotive. And when I stay there, there's great freedom. But when I jump, I get bogged down. God, I'm longing for community. I'm longing for people to accept me. Listen to me. It is not loving to say we accept you in your dysphoric ideas and accept you to stay there. I'm going to prove that to you next week. Because some of you have struggled with dysphoria in a way that it's nearly taken your life. And the most loving thing we can do to you is to say, this is not a healthy path. God has laid out a healthy path. God has laid out a path that will give you real contentment. And it's not heterosexuality. It's not homosexuality. It's holy sexuality. And that path that God lays for you is designed for your good and his glory. We have an incredible ministry here called Grace Biblical Counseling. If you need someone to talk to about this, I would encourage you strongly. Students, moms, dads, grandparents, please consider reaching out to us. If you're in our student ministry, certainly reach out to Grace Student Ministry, Pastor Brian and others. If you're in collegiate ministries, reach out to Pastor Mike. Do not think you have to go it alone, and do not think we're here to pass judgment upon you. I guarantee, and I said this in the first hour, if I were to add up all of the sexual-related sin in this room, the heterosexual category of sin would probably far outweigh the other side. So let's be honest. And let's say that we have all struggled in many ways. And when it comes to how we look and how we feel, we have all struggled. Some of you have been told time and time and time and time again, oh, you're beautiful or you're this just the way you are. But you don't see it. Because you look at yourself in a way that is distorted. It's time to come back and say, if I am this, then this is how God made me. It's not to say you shouldn't take care of yourself. It's not to say you shouldn't try to better yourself physically and otherwise. But I'm telling you, if God made every cell of you, God made no mistakes. The effects of sin have hit us all. We're all fallen. But to those of us who are Christians... We have been picked up. And when we fall again, Christ will be there to pick us up. And so I want you to remember, you are divinely designed, made in the image of God. Stand with me this morning. Guys, <clears throat> two things. First, if you would like to come and pray about this for someone you know, maybe for yourself, maybe for others that struggle, I don't think there would be a family in the room that's not impacted in some form or fashion by these issues today. And I didn't touch on nearly all of them. But I imagine every family in the room is touched in some way. 
so you can come and lay your heart before the Lord again. Number two, the Bruce family just experienced the most tragic type of loss I would imagine any parent could. Their 19-year-old daughter, Hope, uh, went home to be with the Lord after an extended heart condition, an illness. Her funeral will be here. Uh, Pastor Brian and I will be officiating this Thursday. So would you please pray for the Bruce family? There are a number of others in our church family, hospitals, uh, cancer, other things. I know if you know of them, you'll pray for them. But I really want to encourage you. Do not think that it is you versus the church. And do not think that you can't be honest and open. Some of the greatest conversations I have had are those who are open enough and honest enough to say, I struggle with this. I'm not just talking to those of the LGBTQ community. I'm talking to all of us. I struggle with this. I need help. How can I get past this? Because I don't see myself anymore the way God sees me. And you are miserable. And you will not be content until you begin to see yourself through the lens of that divine design. And so I want you to know we're here for you. Come pray. Come see Miss Cindy and I. Come see our pastors and counselors ready for you over here. And know that you are not alone. And if you are a young person here today, I would encourage you above all else, quit trusting your feelings. Trust the facts of who God made you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a difficult subject in a difficult time. And I really do believe there are people that struggle in these things and I don't want to underestimate that that pull and that feeling and that desire. Yet, Lord, there are strong desires you have given me, maybe in anger or otherwise, that I have to stop. And I can't act on that because it would not honor you. I may want to punch somebody sometimes, but you need to stay my hand and I need to be obedient because following the feeling leads to a dead-end path. We need to be led by your Spirit. Your Spirit will always align with your Word. Your Word is truth without any mixture of error. There's a beauty in the design. There are young men here who seem to like things that fall more into that feminine line as we think of them. So be it. And young ladies as well that seem to like the things which are masculine, it doesn't mean that uh, their entire identity changes. It simply means that they're a wonderful, special, unique creature of God, but created male or female. And I pray that we would be a church who would say, come as you are, but be transformed by the gospel and leave more like Jesus. That is the desire for us all. Lord, there's no easy way to tackle some of these things. But we can't say you've whispered. We can't say you're silent. Nor can we simply wag a finger and say you're wrong, we're right. No. Lord, your word is truth. Your design is perfect. Sin has marred it all. The answer is Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.